0: Gentlemen, you don't have enough talent to win on talent alone. 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 Hello and welcome to the Talent Alone podcast, the podcast brought to you by the wheel this week featuring a wheel. I am your host, as always, Adam Hess of talentalone.com, and with me is my co-host and uh, co-contributor and I almost said coconut again, which I pulled out last week. So we'll just go with co-host and co-contributor, your professional titles. Mike Regan. Mike, how you doing today? Fantastic. Well, anyways, this is a sports podcast, not a BoJack Horseman podcast. And I'm going to leave that in, even if I cut that segment out. So, Mike, uh, got a few things to talk about here. It is 11 a.m. Central Time, Sunday, August 6th. Sunday, August 6th. And uh, Eric Carlson just got traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins three-team yeah. trade involving the canadians the penguins and obviously the sharks of san jose uh the uh, penguins received rim pitlick dylan Hamelock, san jose's third round pick and eric carlson obviously uh san jose got pittsburgh's 2024 first round pick top 10 protected michael granlund mike hoffman and jan ruda and the Canadians get Pittsburgh's twenty twenty five second round pick, Jeff Petrie, Casey DeSmith, and Nathan Laguerre. Mike, instant reactions: Who won this trade? Assuming that there's no protections, or not sorry, not protections, no retention because it doesn't. We don't know that yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, you're welcome. That I was running late to record the podcast because then this news broke right before we started. So,
0: and. Uh, you're welcome that you didn't post your outsider Scoop's article with a Eric Carlson trade in it.
1: Yes, that is very true. Uh all the other players involved, not a lot of nothing like really jumps out. So the winners are the Penguins, and if the Sharks got away with not really retaining any salary, then the Sharks.
0: I assume the Canadians are retaining some salary. Otherwise, why were they involved?
1: Yeah. Unless it was just here. Pittsburgh being like, we need you to take some of these players to make cap space and we'll throw a pick in to make it worth your while.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the Canadians, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, you got any thoughts on Jeff Petrie or Casey DeSmith?
1: No. <laughs> yeah.
0: So uh, it's, assumingly it's the, the pick for cap space. Um, I personally think the big winner here is San Jose, who gets a first round pick back. You know, Ignore everything else. I like Jan Ruda enough, but ignore everything else. They get a first-round pick back for dumping one of the most, if not the most still, expensive contracts in all of hockey. Now, Carlson played his ass off last season, won a Norris Trophy, um, which if you want a couple of minutes to complain about that, feel free. But won a Norris Trophy and instantly made himself tradable, which is everything San Jose needed of him. Hopefully this signals that San Jose is going to sell off the rest of the junk they have in that roster and go full rebuild. But I think that's a really good first step for them. And, uh, you know, good job, Kyle Dubas, I guess. So,
1: yeah, I uh, had a lot of details in this in my article. I kind of, like, lined out my apprehension. And I did mention that Eric Carlson obviously had an unreal offensive season like the first defenseman to break hundred points since 1991, 92. But I also pointed out that he's got a lot of miles on him for he's 33, a lot of miles on him. And prior to this year did not play a full season or really close to a full season with the exception of the the COVID uh, the one right after like the season after COVID really kicked off that following season that was shortened. Cause of the late start, um, so I think there is some questions that he could not do this again. Um, I I don't think he's expecting to do it again. You don't think he's
0: going to score 100 points yeah, that's for the a loft. second time since, what was it, like the
1: 80s? 91, 92, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I think it's a little lofty to expect that. But we could see his play decline, but you can't blame Pittsburgh for taking the swing and grabbing him. And, you know, I feel like... I just don't think that with the rest of the roster that they're really a cup contender, like they've talked themselves into being, but we'll we'll see how it works out.
0: Couldn't have put it better myself, and since I like talking and you have all the analysis on this, what do you say we move on to the next topic, which is hopefully something that I can do more talking on?
1: Well, really a selfish and self-centered view, but sure.
0: Well, I got unfortunate news for me. The next topic is NCAA conferences. <laughs> That's right. Let me go top off my coffee, and we'll talk about the Pac-12, I guess. Actually, you yeah, know what, the- fuck that. We're only talking Mountain West.
1: There was a rumor that the Pac-12 was going to merge with the Mountain West in 2024, which they probably have to figure something out because they're basically a dead conference with only four teams left come 2024: Cal, Oregon State, Stanford, and Washington State. So yeah, the obviously the big news that was dropped a couple. What I miss? <laughs> nothing. I was just getting ready to go into a little more of the details. The big news that drops. A couple of days ago, where was Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Oregon, UCLA, USC, Utah, and Washington are all leaving in 2024 to join the Big Ten.
0: Wow. I think some no of longer. Some of them aren't joining the Big Ten, right? They're joining two different conferences. Or are they all going to the Big Ten? Da, 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 da. Oh, it's Big Ten, and then
1: Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah are going to the Big 12. That's correct. Sorry. That's what I thought. Um, Um,
0: Okay, so can I read you some odds here real quick? Yeah. So here are the odds to win the Pac-12 championship game this year. USC plus 200, Oregon plus 320, Washington plus 340, Utah plus 550, UCLA plus 1,000, Oregon State plus 1,200. So the top performing team this year or the, the proje- top projected team this year that will be in the conference next year is Oregon State at plus 1200. Go Beavers. That cannot possibly be their mascot. Yeah.
1: They're the bees. You've Never been to Oregon? There's beavers everywhere. So much beeve. I
0: think in I've Oregon. ever been I don't think I've ever been west of Illinois. What's further west? south southeast texas or chicago southeast texas i think okay then i've never been further west than southeast texas yeah
1: the part that i find funny about this is the big 12 constantly like picking up scraps to keep it together because after texas and texas uh and oklahoma Oklahoma, basically like the two most recognizable big 12 programs announced last year that they were going to the sec in 2024 uh they res- Big Twelve responded by saying, Hey, well, we're getting BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF come twenty twenty four.
0: So UCF the, the people's champion.
1: Right. And then in twenty twenty four they got like the leftovers of the Pac twelve that didn't want to hang around in Arizona, Arizona State, um, Colorado, and Utah. So they're like kit bashing together this this conference to keep it alive. But hey, at least it's gonna stay alive and they have a good TV deal with the um it's uh fox that plays
0: a lot of big 12 games and before you move on can i ask two follow-up questions to your little Mm. little mini rant there Mm -hmm. first off great word with kit bashing where do you know that from video games okay because kit bashing is a it's a production design term Mm -hmm. so good term um second I don't – well, I guess this is less of a question, more of a statement than maybe you can clarify. I'm not sure exactly how these conferences work when it comes to cross sports, but I now feel like the Big 12 is going to be a badass lacrosse conference. Does it, it kind of has that feel into me now. Does that seem right? Uh,
1: possibly. I can't – I don't think any of those schools pop out. I think lacrosse, I always think like – well, Duke. <laughs> and um, like I know Notre Dame is a good lacrosse team, just saying.
0: Speaking of Notre Dame – you think, uh, you think this is going to – all this seismic activity and NIL shit is going to lead to Notre Dame entering into a conference? Uh, No. There's been
1: a lot of talk about that, and some people think they should do it, but they make – I mean, they make so much money with that NBC deal, basically being the, like, lone team. They have that massive NBC contract. That financially, it makes no sense for Notre Dame to go to a conference and start – splitting any kind of revenue because that's how conferences work so other teams would start dipping their hand into that big NBC deal so th- I have said that I think it would make their life I think a little bit easier um like schedule wise
0: yeah that's the uh the president of athletics at Notre Dame had some kind of statement where he said that he has, he's not willing to enter into a conference until it can be proven that either it is hurting them financially to not be in a conference they aren't able to sign a tv deal because they're not in a conference or that it's inhibiting their path to the college football playoff and obviously none of those things are problems so far as notre dame prints some fucking money
1: yeah so they could they kind of can throw together a schedule and then Outside of their rivalry games, they've been doing a good job to lock in big-name programs for, you know, like two to three games to kind of have some marquee games on their schedule to help them um, in, like, evaluating the rankings. And I had a second point to that. And it has escaped me. Oh, and then also keep in mind that Notre Dame, a few years back, Partially joined the ACC, but that's mainly in just other sports like basketball.
0: And lacrosse. I don't – dude, don't ask me about lacrosse. I don't know. (laughs) You're the Notre Dame guy. Although I do live closer to South Bend than you. That's true.
1: You know what uh, I love is that there's like – in this like battle of conference realignment, there's like all these shots going off and like flying everywhere and then like just hunkered down with like hands over their head in the bunker is the ACC. It's just, like, keeping it together. Nobody's leaving. Nobody's uh, going anywhere. We're not joining anybody. So that could be good or bad, depending on what you think of the teams in that conference. One thing that's, like, kind of upsetting about this that, I mean, it's obviously all about money, which is hilarious, because then these programs in the NCAA want to come out and be like, oh, this, like, this NIL thing, it's it's getting out of control with the money the players are getting. And some people bitch and think that it's affecting recruiting. And it's like, well, no. Now the money that recruits are getting is just up front and on the table instead of, you know, some more shady deal behind the scenes. So don't act like it wasn't already going on. And then also don't get on the players for getting money that they deserve when you're making all these conference moves for money and ignoring the fact that these conferences originally were set up the way they were to help players to not be, you know, to stay in like a region. So you're not flying these kids who also to varying extent, um, also have school to worry about, and you're going to now be flying them halfway across the country to go play on the West Coast.
0: And now there's no West Coast Conference anymore. So um, <clears throat> I do want to touch on your ACC point. You see uh, there's some talk about Florida State leaving the ACC?
1: I think there's talk of them going to the SEC, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. and I was looking into this. Uh, you know how much it would cost them to exit the SEC in like uh, – whatever fee they would have to pay and this is ignoring the contract they signed but you know how much it would what fee they would have to pay for that what 120 million dollars holy shit also known as one third of a jalen brown
1: <laughs> i love how he's become our our uh, our measuring stick for how contracts work
0: <laughs> yeah the people at the burger place were really confused yesterday when i said it was one 525th of a burger or of a jalen brown so uh yeah, I th- also, I think it's interesting,
1: teams. Uh, I get wanting to get into the SEC, um, but it's not like your team moves. You still have to be better at recruiting if you want to try to compete in the SEC. And, like, the Big 12 hasn't been a good defensive conference for, like, a decade. So I just don't know how well it's going to go for, like, Texas, you know, and Oklahoma.
0: Is Florida in the
1: SEC? No, they're in the a- uh, the ACC. Florida is? Yeah, and there's talk of them going to the SEC.
0: No, that's Florida State.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Florida is. So it's not really a big. It wouldn't be like a big region change. If anything, it, a lot of the teams that Florida State would then be playing would actually be closer, instead
0: of having to go up the west
1: the west coast.
0: The, the east coast. coast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how far up are they going? What's the most northern Florida t- or northern ACC team? Ooh. Maryland. Uh, Syracuse. Syracuse. Yeah. Oh, I just pulled it up. Boston College.
1: Oh yeah, but yeah. So, Boston. Okay. Uh, yeah. BC.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. But they also right now are playing against Miami. I don't know. It seems like kind of a wash either way. I'm sure people that know more about this are making those decisions. Mm-hmm. But I can't imagine Florida State out recruiting people by saying, "Well, we're the SEC." Like yeah. Look at how well Clemson recruits. Look at how well Miami used to recruit. Look at how well Virginia and Virginia Tech recruit.
1: Yeah, I don't know. yeah, Virginia does recruit surprisingly well. Tech, they also do pretty well. I guess I can't I can't complain. The, the defensive kinda,
0: backs, half the defensive backs in the NFL played at Virginia Tech.
1: That's true. Beamer ball, baby. That lunch pail defense. Bud Foster. Turnover chain. Turnover chain.
0: No, that's a different (laughs) team. Yeah. All right, Mike, I did want to get your quick thoughts here on what happens to the Pac-12 now. So the four remaining teams, Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, Washington State. Are we going to see more teams come into the Pac-12 and for it to become less of a Power 5 conference, or are we going to see those teams move to other conferences, like the ACC, Mountain West, Big Ten, stuff like that?
1: I think most likely—I think for sure they're they're done as a power conference, and I think these teams are going somewhere else or they're going to bring in other teams. But either way, if they bring in other teams and whether it's still called the Pac-12 or whatever, it's it's not power five anymore. I think it's it will be diminished, and it will make life harder on, like, a Stanford um, trying to put together a schedule and have, like I said, a, a big win on it if they intend to— Compete for the you know, call NCAA championship, but also they're not exactly in that realm right now. We're no, they're far they removed.
0: They are so far down the odds. I didn't even yeah. write them down. Yeah, they're not as good as they, they once were. Who would you say is the best team right now in the Mountain West? Or not even the best team. Who would you say is the biggest destination team? I don't know. Most popular team in the Mountain West right now?
1: back in the 12s oh oh well no tc tcu left for the big 12 so
0: would you like me to read you a list of the teams yeah give me a list because all the Boise state air force wyoming utah state colorado state new mexico fresno state san jose state san diego state unlv hawaii and nevada boise i don't know that's not a good list of teams but that's that's kind of my point right if you're stanford you instantly become the premier destination in the mountain west yeah i mean you can say the same thing about like cal right probably not washington state or oregon state but yeah like cal or stanford if they go to the mountain west instantly is the most popular team there
1: yeah um UCF is obviously leaving the AAC for the Big Twelve, but it'll kind of be a similar situation to like UCF or Cincinnati, where Stanford will like be able to like beat up the rest of the conference, but then at the end of the year, the committee could be like, yeah, well, you know, who did they really play, and then we'll have Stanford being the people's champion.
0: Who's the coach at Stanford right now?
1: Is it not Pep Hamilton anymore? No.
0: I thought he that he to. coached soccer.
1: No. I'd have to Google it, actually. Fucking embarrassing.
0: Uh, David Shaw.
1: Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. That's the guy who took over after um, Harbaugh left. Pep Hamilton oh. was the Never OC. That...
0: Uh, David Shaw is no longer the, co- the coach there. No. Oh. <laughs> uh, you really think this would be Troy Taylor?
1: I can't question that.
0: Looks like he took over in twenty twenty two. Okay, yeah, after David Shaw was out. Okay, well, eh, you know, not really. I guess I think of Stanford as like a, a premier college because Elway and Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, you know, it, it's kind of skewed. Like even Cal wasn't that Aaron Rodgers. Correct. Yeah. So. In my head, those schools are a lot more important than they probably actually are, and I don't watch a lick of college football, so I'm kind of just throwing darts at dartboards here, trying to figure out where things are going to be in a year. Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch, another notable Cal alumni. And name a third one.
1: Aaron Rodgers and Marshawn Lynch, notable Cal alumni.
0: (laughs) Two dudes that have publicly admitted to doing drugs. Yes.
1: And one loves Skittles.
0: And we don't know which one. May, May never know. All right, Mike, since uh, we talked a lot of football so far this episode, you want to change it up and talk some more football? Yeah, it sounds good. More football. All right. So for those of you who were with us last week, we ranked the top 10 quarterbacks in the league, which I thought should have been a one-off bit, thought it wasn't very good, thought it was in fact crap, but Mike insisted that we continue the bit. No, you thought it was crap? No, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, so, this week, we went to the second most important in all of football, by which I mean an offensive position that's fun to talk about. We decided to rank our top ten wide receivers. And I don't know about you, Mike, but I actually put these into a couple of tiers here. I did, did not some, do tiers. some further homework than, uh, than was required. So, same process as last week. We'll go from ten to one, ranking our receivers and discussing as we go. Sound like a plan?
1: Yeah, it should be fun. I think we're going to have very – maybe at the top will be kind of similar. But I think we'll have uh, some a lot of variants.
0: Yes, and I will tell you already, I notably left someone off my list for a very specific reason. So, uh, I'm sure. Can I guess up? who
1: it is? Yeah. Because I think it's the same player I left off. Fuck Tyreek Hill.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> Tyreek you. Hill. I'm not putting him on my list. Fuck him. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mike. Well, <clears throat> since last week I started – you want to take the lead on this? You want to start 10 to 7, and I'll take over after that? Sounds good. So I will kick it off with my number 10, former
1: Alabama wide receiver, current wide receiver of the Miami Dolphins, Jalen Waddle.
0: You know, I went back and forth on putting Waddle on my list, um, mainly as like a, a fuck you once again to Tyree Kill, to put Jalen Waddle, but not Tyree Kill on my list. Uh, but I couldn't justify putting a number two receiver on my top 10.
1: Yeah, and that's fair. Uh, I looked at it as he got a lot of – he did not get the targets, obviously, that Tyreek Hill did. Um, but he definitely made the most of the catches he did get. I mean, he averaged 18.1 yards of reception, which is very good. Uh, I like the way he stretches the field. He's got speed. He can get deep. And, uh, yeah, I think he's obviously a great part of a dynamic duo with Tyreek Hill because it gives def- defenses to wide receivers that they have to account for. But he's also very young. So I think he'll be the guy. I think once Tyreek Hill starts to slow down, he'll become the premier receiver. And uh, I like him here at, at, at uh, 10.
0: You know, I like Miami's draft strategy of just doing what Al Davis did in the 80s and 90s, but better. Al Davis was like, how fast is there 40? And now – All this time later, uh, Mike McDaniel is like, yeah, how fast is their 40? But more importantly, how fast is their 100? (laughs) And then he's just, like, drafting Devon A-Chain and Jalen Waddell and just has every fastest guy in the NFL. And he just goes, yeah, you know, four verts, go deep. Yeah, I saw a
1: post by – I think it was, like, NFL or, like, you know, some corporate Twitter account. But it was, like, best – I was, talking, I was like posing the question, like, who's the best like wide receiver room? And Miami's a very good one. And I saw it was funny. Like farther down the list, they had uh, like Minnesota up there. And I was like, that's, that's Justin Jefferson and then two other dudes. Like let's not yeah. <laughs> put them in the conversation. It's all down. Was number one the Bengals? The Bengals were mentioned. They didn't really rank them. They just like listed a bunch of them up there. It was okay. more of like a question to get the comments firing off.
0: All right, well, we definitely don't want to talk about wide receivers while we're talking about wide receivers, so I don't want to get too far off track here breaking down the Bengals wide receiver room. So instead, we'll go with my number 10. I'll be honest, a little bit of a homer pick. I wanted to get him on the list just because I like him so much, but Terry McLaurin, my number 10 receiver. Mm. The, The only detraction you can really give to Terry is that every time he catches a ball, it feels like a little mini miracle because he's had Taylor Heineke... And Dwayne Haskins. Might have had a little bit of overlap with Case Keenum. Now he's going into a season with Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell. So every every time he catches the ball, it feels like a miracle, but the guy outperforms everything. He outperforms his height. He outperforms the situation. He outperforms whatever defender is playing against him. He just comes down with the ball somehow. So that's my number 10, Terry McLaurin. All
1: right. My number nine is once again another. It's Wild How. Alabama kind of became like wide receiver you. Um, I went Devontae Smith. I think he was. Two, a,
0: two receivers to start the list.
1: Yeah. And uh, I think he was a big part of AJ Brown having a career best season. Um, once again, kind of like a Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle situation with the way Devontae Smith can stretch the field. He's a little undersized, but like scabby. Obvi- yeah. And he, uh, but obviously he makes up for that with the speed and be able to get separation
0: um, i'll just always I... remember in the divisional round or maybe it was the conference championship when he had that catch that he knew he dropped and was immediately like telling everyone like let's go hike it now let's go hike it now and they all ran up to the line and snapped it and mm-hmm. by the time they went back to look at it at replay it was like so obvious that it wasn't a catch but he knew immediately and got everyone in position to snap the ball yeah all right my number nine uh did not feel great about this one if you had asked me before doing this list, without looking at any names, if this guy was a top ten receiver, I would have said no. But after having gone through everything, it's a little hard to deny. Um, the bottom of this list can be a little weird, but my number nine is CD Lamb. I always feel like we're a year away from CD Lamb making his like breakout. Like it doesn't feel like it's happened yet, and he's had he's had like pretty good seasons, and so it, maybe it's a, a little. You know, off to to say that he hasn't broken out yet. He's had two thousand yard seasons, but it always feels like we're a year away from the CD Lamb breakout. So my number eight,
1: I went with the other half of the dynamic duo in Philadelphia, which you probably have higher in your list, AJ Brown.
0: You went eight, nine with the Philly guys. Yeah, I I that was, was trying crazy.
1: Yeah, I was trying to figure out where I wanted AJ Brown, and I was like, I kind of like him right there with with Devonte Smith because I think they definitely feed into each other's success. Like I said, he had a monster year putting up career best numbers. Almost just shy of 1,500 yards, 11 touchdowns. Uh, The biggest thing that was surprising when I was looking into A.J. Brown, only 25. Only his fourth year in the league. For some reason, he feels older.
0: Yeah, him and D.K. Metcalf were the same Ole Miss team, right?
1: Yeah. It's it pretty crazy. But we obviously saw what he's capable of when he went to a team with a better quarterback, and a better offensive system, he uh, blew up to be definitely like a bona fide. I mean, he already was a bona fide wide receiver one, but it kind of felt like he could be even more in a better on
0: a better team, and he definitely proved that. You know what I found out looking into him that I didn't remember at all? Did hmm. you know he was nominated for Rookie of the Year in 2019? I did not, but that makes yeah. sense. You know what else I learned looking this up? That they nominate Rookies of the Year instead of just naming who got the most votes.
1: Yeah, I didn't know that they were nom- nominated them either. <laughs> yeah. I also, according to Pro Football Reference, he actually came in like ninth in MVP ratings last year. Really? <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Man. MVP votes in... Like, MVP in general can be kind of a dumb award, right? Mm-hmm. But it's real dumb in football. And I can't believe that you get all the way down to ninth and AJ fucking Browns there. I wonder who the top wide receiver on that list was without looking it up, who would be your guess for oh. who the top voting, getting wide receiver was last season. Justin Jefferson for sure. Yeah. I feel like it'd be Justin Jefferson too, but there's like a small part of my brain that thinks that Tyree Hill would take that spot. Ugh. All right. My number eight pick. Uh, we are now in my tier of the young guys. Got it. Is what I named this tier. So number eight, Garrett Wilson. Wow. Who One rookie of the year last year just a phenomenal receiver I mean just he's going to be one of the guys in a few years but the important thing that made me bumping up this list is that he won rookie of the year and looked great with a combination of some of the worst quarterbacks in the league throwing passes to him with Zach Wilson and Mike White throwing passes to him that is pretty impressive how well he did considering that at one point during the season, Zach Wilson tried to throw the ball away and threw an interception. That's impressive.
1: That's very impressive. I can't fault you for having Garrett Wilson on your list. I I didn't have any rookies on mine.
0: Me neither. Uh, I just had second-year yeah. players.
1: Well, technically, they're second-year now. I see what you did there.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah. Clever man. All right, Mike, who is your number seven?
1: So my number seven, I have him up higher on my list than you do. I went C.D. Lamb. I think he, post des era, has solidified himself as the guy in Dallas. And obviously, with them being like, all right, buy Amari, they feel confident in him. He did put up almost 1,400 yards last season, broke uh, the 100 mark in receptions. So I thought he actually had a very good year, considering that I don't, I never felt like Dallas's offense fully put it together last year, or the year prior, or the year
0: prior. <laughs> <laughs> so for him to still have really good production i think is a, a testament um I, I just i was fascinated by you calling cd the guy in the post-des era when cd lamb came into the nfl in 2020 and des bryant wasn't on the cowboys since 2017
1: yeah it's, it still feels like we're only two years removed from des leaving
0: <laughs> i don't know why I don't know either. Was it a catch, though? That's always been my question with Des. That's the question. So, my number seven, and honestly, I probably would have ranked this guy six or five, but he doesn't quite have the pedigree to jump the next guys on the list, and it would fuck up my tears. So, my next guy on the list in the young guys got it is Monra St. Brown, who is, once again, similar to Garrett Wilson. He's just catching passes from a dog shit quarterback. I don't care what you want to say about Jared Goff. He is not a top half of the league quarterback. Like if you say who is exactly the 15th best quarterback in the league or the 16th best quarterback in the league, my guess would be Kirk cousins. And you're talking about a guy who's worse than that. So you're talking about a bottom half of the league quarterback with tiny baby hands. Who's on his second NFL team. And I think that way more credit goes to a Dan Campbell which I hate to say because I was such a big detractor of Dan Campbell when he came in because he had the whole tough guy thing that I don't really believe in, but can only uh, go so far before I have to admit that I was wrong. But especially Ben Johnson, who's been their offensive coordinator and really seems to have revitalized Jared Goff in a way that not even Sean McVay could. But Amon Ross St. Brown is like one of the best High reception receivers in the league. Like he, they just. There was points during the season where their whole offense was "fuck it, throw it to a Monra," and it worked. And then he got like, I mean, like if you want to talk about it from like a fancy point of view, he got vultured on so many touchdowns. He was like tackled inside the four yard line an astronomical amount of times, which then turned into Jamal Williams touchdowns. But a hundred or a thousand one hundred sixty one yards six touchdowns last season once again with this quarterback being Jared Goff any thoughts yeah, Mike? are you ready to move on no I have
1: I have uh sorry I have I have no argument um with Amar I think he's definitely in, in the top 10 I will have more to say on him in just a moment but All now right. we we flip the field and you go first
0: all right, as it is halftime, although we'll probably flip the field one more time, so think of it more like hockey. Period number two, we are into my second tier, which is the, eh, over 30, we'll see, tier. Number six, Devontae Adams, just turned 30, or maybe he's just about to turn 31, I can't remember which one of these guys just turned 30, but officially in the wide receiver hitting a cliff age range, as ne- no one above him on this list is going to be Jerry Rice, so you have to assume that he's hitting that cliff soon. Being quarterbacked by Jimmy Garoppolo with Josh McDaniel as his coach, not a great outlook for Devontae Adams, but the the numbers are undeniable for Devontae. Um, I mean, you can go back to his days with Aaron Rodgers, but if you want to talk specifically with the Raiders, he had 100 receptions last season, which is astronomical considering how often did you ever mention Devontae Adams' name last season. Uh, 1,500 yards, 14 touchdowns, and negative one rushing yards. So, Devontae, number six on my list, starting to get up there in age.
1: So, my number six, I can kind of break this down to tears now I look at my list again. My 10 through 8 were kind of my dudes who were in a wide receiver pair. That was very dominant. And then my next three are kind of the um, it's all going to have to be me people. CDLAM, am depending on what you think of Michael Gallup and company. Uh, but my number six is Amon Ross St. Brown. Hey. Uh, as, like, I agree, he was the total Lions passing offense last year 146 receptions. So obviously, you knew where they were going and a very good almost 73% catch percentage, which. I thought it was very impressive considering his amount of uh uh targets. Only 6 touchdowns last year, which I thought was a little weird, but that, you know, can go into once you again like you said the
0: Jared Goff part of the
1: situation. And I think well, it is telling. Also,
0: he uh he led I believe he led the NFL or at least he led wide receivers in being tackled inside of the 5-yard line. Oh
1: yeah, that that definitely tracks then. And Uh, for some reason i have to go back and look at the numbers more but for some reason i i definitely see dan campbell as a smash it into the goal or into the into the goal (laughs) uh smash it across the goal line kind of guy uh when you get that close and i think it is telling like you mentioned neither of us had jared Goff in our top 10 quarterback rankings last week which i think fits i because of the numbers for a second i was like "Eh, can i stick him in at 10 but then i was like yeah there's no way i can i can justify that (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's, that's one of those gut check things where you, before you even look at the numbers, if someone walks up to you and goes, is Jared Goff a top 10 quarterback? You just go, ew, no. Yeah, what absolutely What are you talking not. about? <laughs> all right, Mike, my number five here. Uh, <clears throat> Once again, didn't feel great about putting this guy on my list, which is insane. And I probably even put him too low. But he's just like, he's in that over 30 age range. And I was never all that in on him, even though... He won the triple crown as a wide receiver a couple seasons ago. Cooper Cup at number five.
1: Who'd you think I was gonna say? You're about to say I thought I to like cut you off. I thought you were gonna say Stefan Diggs.
0: Stephon Diggs didn't win the triple crown.
1: Oh, he got yards and receptions. Yeah. The one season in Buffalo, not touchdowns. I apologize.
0: Yeah. So Cooper Cup, who is by all accounts just, you know, one of the best receivers in the league. But there is some disconnect there where I just don't like him as a receiver. I don't know what it is. It's probably some personal thing. If I went to therapy, I'd have to bring it up with my therapist. But just there's something that he doesn't do for me. Yeah. I, uh,
1: surprisingly, kind of glanced over him because the Rams were just a fucking shit show this year. Um, So he fell off. Sorry. You know what I meant. (laughs) This past season. So he kind of fell off. But I do remember... I will never forget his like the year they won the Super Bowl. I think it was the second round game where they were oh yeah it was they were like down to uh Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks and then they took like the Bucks took the lead late and it was like ah Tom Brady done it again pulled one off and then Stafford came out and just, like, hit Cooper Cup on two big passes. And Cooper
0: yeah. Cup just won them, won them that game. He just took was, over. I think it might have been three in a row, right? Because they just came out and were like, throw it to Cup, throw it to Oh, yeah. no. You, you know what it was? It was in the Super Bowl after Odell went down with an injury. Mm-hmm. And then the second half, they just went, all right, just throw it to Cooper Cup over and over. It was like I they did a similar thing with Travis Kelsey um, last year in the Super Bowl. But it was just it was like four or five targets in a row to Cooper Cup. In the second half of the Super Bowl.
1: Yeah, and especially before Odell joined the team and even when he did in the regular season, he was didn't really his value definitely kind of showed off in the postseason more and like what halfway through that Super Bowl. But prior to that, it was really like a Antonio Brown Pittsburgh Steelers level of just feed cup the ball. All
0: right, Mike, you're number five. Oh, that's right. We're
1: flipping the field once again. So my final player in my, you know, it's just these guys tier. I just want is, to point out,
0: we're not flipping the field. I just named my number five, and now it's your turn to is, name your number five. That is,
1: that is correct. I have him uh, surprisingly higher on my list because I'm just a fan of his so much. It's Gary Terry. I'm saying he's the fifth best ride receiver in the league. That's uh,
0: crazy high. I love it, but it's crazy high.
1: Yeah, i I'm, I'm got a little more of a hot take on him. He may not be like by himself anymore if Jahan Dotson pairs out. I am a fan of Jahan Dotson, but Terry reminds me of Stefan Diggs in that he can do it all. I think he, you know, he can go deep, has good speed. I think he's a great route runner. And like you said, his production, despite the, you know, crazy, unfortunate myriad of, I was trying to think of how many words I could put prior to saying uh, of quarterbacks in washington he has been like the lone bright spot um you know with no no uh offense to Trying to think of like the weirdest possible wide receiver that he's had (laughs) help me out um uh sims sims okay (laughs) that's a good one yeah so he hasn't had a lot of help for a few years hopefully dotson pans out now
0: yeah, uh, Terry is definitely the most popular wide receiver in Washington since Santana Moss. Oh, I love Santana Moss. <laughs> All right, Mike, I'm going to take number four and then we'll flip back starting with three. So uh, I consider this the snake round. My mm-hmm. number four, way higher on the list than you have him, is A.J. Brown. Just mm-hmm. phenomenal receiver under Tannehill. Even bigger breakout year with Jalen Hurts and... The Eagles, uh, kind of a diva a couple times, but just a big body dude who can go fast and run routes. Love me some AJ Brown. He, he he's got to be one of my maybe top three favorite receivers in the league. Which hurts all the more when Washington plays against him twice a year and he toasts us. Uh, uh? Same thing. Yes. Same thing with Jalen. Love me some Jalen, and uh, it no. hurts. It, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, when he kicks my team's ass hey Mike who's your uh number four
1: so real quick I think for some reason I still have bias against AJ Brown because he played for the Titans and I hate the Titans uh my number four on the list break my heart broke my heart but I didn't let my bias affect me like I did last week with my QB rankings Stefan Diggs
0: wow for I can't my money I can't believe I'm higher on Stefan Diggs than you are
1: yeah that's that is surprising prior to or pardon me uh, for my money, him, and probably, since they're forever, forever, <laughs> forever be linked because of the trade, him and Justin Jefferson, I think, might be the best two route runners in the league. Now, nah, fuck that. Stefan Diggs is the best route runner in the league. <laughs> he is lethal. He is quick to get separation, especially, you know, those little, like, up and in, or little up, come back, for, like, the little, you know, little curl routes. And, Last season, the Bills' offense really slowed down as the year went on. Diggs still had 108 receptions for 1,429 yards and 11 touchdowns. Still had a monster season. And is one of those people where when our the Bills' offense is struggling, it becomes, fuck it, just throw it to Diggs. Like, there's so many games where our offense is struggling, and then they'll come out and just throw, like, three, like, in a row, like, three eight-yard passes to Diggs just to get some completions and, and get this – offensive offense rolling so anybody who wants also he got unfairly labeled as like a diva coming out of minnesota um and he's been such a team player in buffalo and even with like some of the overblown and fake drama that has gone on with him i think it's just him being super competitive which i also love and just wanting to win and he's the kind of guy who he gets really competitive and he wants to win and he's like give me the ball and i'll get it done
0: Yeah, uh, I'll have a couple things on Diggs here in a couple minutes, so uh, feel free to take your number three receiver.
1: Okay, my number three, kind of had a down year last year, but he only played in 12 games. Jamar Chase.
0: I am so confused by your top four. Oh, really? Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, Yeah, Jamar Chase, like I said, he only played 12 games last season because of injuries and still put up over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, 87 receptions. I think he is just a monster. I think some of the other wide receivers in Cincinnati get a lot, I want to say a lot more credit. I think their value is maybe higher than what you'd expect, like a T. Higgins, et cetera. As much as I love T. Higgins, very good wide receiver. I think his value is, like, increased by he's playing with Jamar Chase. Obviously, he has Joe Burrow at quarterback. And he's playing with just an all-around monster in Jamar Chase.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, I uh, I kind of think of Jamar Chase as a souped-up A.J. Brown, where they're just big fucking mm-hmm. body dudes who can fly down the field when need be. It, it's like they're both DK Metcalf with more refinement. But, like, Jamar Chase, I mean, you, I, I don't remember if it was his rookie season or last season, but when he would take those, like, five-yard slants just all the way down the field, like, he had a couple, like, three touchdowns, 200-yard games. I mean, he's just – when he gets in the mode, or if you don't have a secondary big enough to tackle him, there's no one in the league who's going to put up bigger numbers than him. He's such a cheat code.
1: Yeah, he's really one of those receivers that – you can say that about a lot of the top receivers on this list. But he's one of those guys where a defensive game plan could be like, "All right, we're not going to stop him, so like, our best plan is to just – mob the shit out of him and hope they go somewhere else with the ball it's like if we're gonna get beat we'll let t higgins beat us but we gotta try to find a way to not get embarrassed by jamar chase
0: yeah he's one of those guys that at the start of the game the defensive coordinator defensive backs coach says like commit pass interference and see if they're gonna throw the flag if they don't throw the flag Mm -hmm. do it every play so my number three is stefan diggs uh, previously discussed him, so don't want to go too in depth. I will say, I think one of Diggs' superpowers is just the mind meld he gets with his quarterbacks. I mean, it's even to the next level with Josh Allen, where they seem like real good buddies. But he had a mind meld with Case Keenum, where Case fucking Keenum would throw him like. Would throw him a ball, and he would get his head around just in time for the ball to get to him. He had a mind meld with Kirk Cousins, and now he has the just incredible mind meld with josh allen so there is something to be said about stefan Diggs being a good teammate because his quarterbacks always really vibe with him
1: yeah when you think of like brady and his receivers especially in new england it felt like brady was like the dad and his receivers were all his little shit kids (laughs) and then with allen and Diggs, it's just you know they're fucking they're brothers greatest bromance in the league it's
0: the adam cole and mjf of the nfl Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, you want to give me your number two receiver? So I have him way higher on my list than you do.
1: Um, maybe it's because I do have an affinity for receivers that are just an entire team, but i love me some Devontae Adams.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the appropriate one to have up there. I was trying to guess who your receiver in the top three that I didn't have was, and it just seemed to me like Devontae Adams had to be the pick. 100 receptions, 1,500
1: yards, a monster 14 touchdowns with Derek Carr, who's I sawed him in as like the like NFL quarterback average, like right in the middle. And then you're either better or worse than Derek Carr. Yeah. He's, um,
0: when you roll, when you play like my player mode in Madden and start as a quarterback, they have the same attributes as Derek Carr.
1: Yeah. I think the biggest downfall at the end of this Rogers Packers era was he wanted the bag. They gave him the bag and they were like, well, shit, now we got to move Devonte. And I was very critical of that fact at the time, because I thought it just proved that Rodgers can be the uh, narrative for so long was like, they're not drafting receivers. They're not getting them help. And it's like, he had one of the greatest wide receivers in the league. I don't want to hear it. And then he took so much money that they had to move him to another team. Like, it's ridiculous. I think Devonte Adams plays that. I mentioned it once, but like that Antonio Brown year, uh, his last year in Pittsburgh where he was like, should have gotten MVP. Like I was, championing him to get MVP because he was just so dominant and I put Devontae Adams in a similar category there
0: couldn't agree more uh probably probably the best feat in the league best route runner in the league I mean he's at least in the conversation just great receiver didn't have a great start to his career but sustained success for a long time with so far two different quarterbacks my number two uh Jamar Chase so I believe one spot higher than you had him uh, obviously you just basically bumped my two and three down and replaced it with Devontae. Um Just big body, fast as all hell, great prospect, weird preseason, his rookie year, but everything outside of that, he's just been phenomenal. I know he can disappear for stretches of the game, but you can't blame that on him. That's game plan. That's Joe Burrow. when the guy gets the ball, he's incredibly effective. Mike, you want to give me your number one receiver? I'm on the edge of my seat, except yes. you know, standing desk, so.
1: I think we are in alignment on this one.
0: Wait, let's say it at the same time. Ready? Mm-hmm. Three, two, one. Ebo Julian Daniel. Edelman. I oh.
1: <laughs> can't believe I didn't Debo. I love – he's one of my favorite non-bills in the league, but he just didn't have the year he had prior. Um, yeah, Justin Jefferson, you can't argue with it. Uh a monster, 128 catches, 1,800 yards. Another receiver who, I mean, depending on what you think, same thing with his supporting cast. He's just, he makes them look better because they can get so open. Um, he's one of those players who, when the Bills ever play the Vikings, I'm terrified of. Like, I just, when the ball goes near him, kind of the same thing with Jamar Chase. I'm like, like smack him with your arm. We'll see if they like they call the flag. Like, I don't care. But don't let him get catches and get rolling. Cause he can take over a game and he will forever linked be linked. As I mentioned with Stefan Diggs, uh, cause of that trade. And you think because of that, I'd be very like anti Jefferson. Like I'd, I'd look for any reason to be biased and, and slant him, but in a weird way I have like respect for him, you know, like I love when Diggs and him play each other. I, I like that narrative and watching to see who's going to have the bigger game. Um, yeah, I just don't think you can argue that he's the greatest, greatest wide receiver in the league right now.
0: Couldn't agree more, uh, has everything you'd want in a wide receiver. He has the route running. He has top end speed. He can stretch the field. He can take, you know, uh, a screen pass a slant. He's on play action. He's reading the defense. I mean, just a phenomenal talent and cultural icon that we haven't seen since Odell. He doesn't have the, the ability to change everyone's hairstyle, but everyone in the world has tried at least once in their own private room to do the gritty, whether you do it correctly or not. Oh,
1: yeah. I, I bust out, you know, playing video games, beat a tough boss. I just bust out a terrible gritty.
0: I don't know if you could have said a less cool sentence than that, but congratulations or, on, on or your my re- other... renewed virginity.
1: My other uh, go-to celebration after a big video game moment is that LeBron thing where he like tapped his chest and then did the push-up motion. <laughs> oh <was> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, yeah, and I think another thing to Jefferson's credit is, I think like what would you say? Like probably like a year in to Kirk Cousins' fully guaranteed contract, we were kind of like, oof, this isn't going to age well. Or right, at then, Jef- yeah, and then Jefferson,
0: you know, came along and he was like. Just get on my back. I'm about to carry you. 24 years old, so we can expect to have another six, seven years of Jefferson as the best wide receiver in the league. And if we're lucky, another 10 years of it.
1: Yeah, you hope you don't see an Odell situation with him because there was a time where we thought Odell was going to dominate the league. And then after he won, after his like big rookie season, and then unfortunately all fell apart. But two great LSU products, oh no, Jamar Chase and uh, Odell it was... Is Jefferson? Yeah, yeah, Jefferson, uh, Jefferson Jamar, uh, yeah. And,
0: and Joe Burrow were all on that LSU team.
1: Yeah, and yeah, it's kind of crazy the wide receivers coming out of the SEC
0: for a conference that some people just immediately go, oh, great defense. And the quarterbacks. I mean, yeah, we've had a few number one quarterbacks taken out of the SEC in recent memory. Mm-hmm. All right, Mike, any any final wide receiver thoughts before we move on to the wheel?
1: Uh, no, I just like that wide receiver was a little more interesting, our choices, it's interesting, the wide um, <laughs> receivers,
0: compared,
1: <laughs> compared to a uh, quarterback, where I felt like a lot of our picks last week, I was like, yep, we're on the same wavelength. Uh, that one was a lot of fun. Tight ends next week or running backs?
0: Definitely not tight ends. <laughs> right. Tight ends is a terrible conversation. It's Travis, Kelsey, and then who cares? Um, TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> yeah, Dallas Goddard. her. Um, yeah, we can do running backs. We can flip to the other side of the ball if you want. Maybe talk some uh, nose tackles. Mm. no we're not doing nose tackles we can do pass rushers or like cornerbacks but not remember doing... Marcel Darius
1: I remember <laughs> Marcel Darius played for the Bills that year we loved the team and sacks and missed the playoffs which is why to this day as much fun as sacks are I think it is an overrated statistic when people are like most
0: oh, sacks in the league they are all right Mike uh we're gonna hit the wheel segment but first a bathroom break
1: and our sponsor athletic greens and blue chew mix them together you'll be healthy and horny you guys can't tell, because obviously we're going to edit, but he's been in the bathroom for like 35 minutes. Might have to go check, make sure he didn't have an Elvis.
0: Are you talking? Yeah. All right, Mike, let's uh, <clears throat> spin the wheel here. It's and time. While we that spin spins, uh, you got any any final thoughts on uh, the end of the Women's World Cup Dream Team?
1: Yeah, big uh, letdown. They're like, there are, you know, the women, I love them. They're, well, I mean, don't ask me to name a lot of them, but I'll <laughs> just be like Megan Rapino and then I'll move on. Rapino's uh, retiring. No, Ertz is retiring. Uh, not, I don't mean that indispectful. I'm just not a big soccer guy, but I know that's obviously like a, what's what I'm looking for? Disappointment. Like they didn't live up to what we were hoping because literally when it comes to U.S. Soccer, they are our, our pride and joy.
0: Couldn't agree more. Uh, Enjoyed this era. Hope that we get another run of (coughs) women's soccer being as dominant as it was. And, you know, just mostly fuck Sweden, you know?
1: Sweden, all you goddamn uh, scars guards think you're better than me.
0: (laughs) I don't even know if they're Swedish.
1: (laughs) Eh, Sounds Swedish. They have, like, the weird, like, dots above some of their letters in their last name.
0: The Mm Umlutz. All right, Mike. So our real topic is a... Hot seat draft. Ooh. (laughs) Concept is simple. We are going to take NFL coaches for the upcoming season. Boy, this is getting turned into a football-heavy podcast. We're going to take NFL coaches for the upcoming season, and we are going to go back and forth and draft them. We're each going to get three coaches, and the winner is whoever picks the coach that gets fired first. So we profit when other people's worst day of their entire life happens. Sound like a plan to you, Mike?
1: it's a very good uh metaphor for I feel like social media today. We all get to make jokes and all right, maybe don't read
0: too much body. into it. We're just picking coaches who aren't gonna be playing or coaching I'm the sorry. NFL here. I'm
1: such a philosophizer.
0: You can cut all of that. Let's go. Cut all of what? <laughs> the whole podcast. I ruined it. All right, Mike, I'm gonna flip a coin, you call it in the air for heads or tails.
1: Tails never fails.
0: Heads fuckers lied to me all right Mike so I get the first pick here and maybe not everyone's number one overall pick on the board but taking a little bit of a swerve here the first coach I believe will get fired I have Robert Sala he is surprisingly going into his third year here feels like he was perennially in his first year of coaching they got Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers Doesn't get enough credit for his ability to kill coaches. He got McCarthy fired. He nearly got LaFleur fired. And now we're on to Robert Sala in his third year of abject failures. Uh, Very good team around them. If they get off to a slow start, I could see a realistic world in which Sala is shown the door and they put someone else in to helm the team for the second half of the season.
1: My first pick. Mm Mm-hmm. This is, a, this is a tough one because, like, a lot of QBs – or not QBs. <laughs> God. A lot of head coaches on bad teams, they'll probably get some extra leash because it's like, yeah, we suck. We'll let you hang around while we do our, our rebuild. So I'm going to go with
0: Dennis Allen. I had him ranked seventh. So yeah, uh, I would call that same. a reach.
1: Yeah, I think uh, – but I think the Saints are like, yeah, we got Derek Garr, Now we're ready to go, and that's what – ownership and management will think and then if it doesn't work out and they go six and
0: ten i think dennis allen could be a fall guy who is in your opinion the best football player on the saints chris Olave. yeah that's my thought too that's a position we're in that the second year wide receiver might be the best player on that team Mm -hmm. all right mike we'll just go snake draft here so uh next pick is yours All right, Mike. We're just gonna go snake draft here. So next pick is here. Sorry,
1: I had one and then I I lost it. Give me one sec. Okay, my next one, and I would never wish ill on anybody and ask them to lose their job, but I'm surprised he still has one. Brandon Staley of the Los Angeles Chargers. Not even on my list. Really, I think I think the the the. Cows are coming home to roost. The cows uh, are coming home to Um Yeah, I think he's been made a lot of questionable decisions. He came out of the gate and was like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go for it in these situations." But then he started to self scout himself and overthink it in the situations where the numbers were like, "Don't go, don't go." He didn't in the situations where the numbers were like, "Yep, go for it." Or sorry, I had that backwards. The situations where the numbers were like, "Don't go for it," he would he went and then the times where everybody thought this is where you go for it on fourth or go for two he would for some reason not there's just been a lot of questionable moments in his chargers career and when you have justin freaking herbert who has looks like a franchise quarterback you do not get a lot of chances uh to where you can come up short in expectations on the year
0: yeah and staley is another one of those guys that got the sean McVay rub uh, also, Staley was just a great defensive mind at the time, but it feels like when he took over at head coach, his defense kind of stopped evolving. They brought in Kellen Moore. I don't see Kellen Moore taking over as a head coach, but if they get off to a slow start, I can see them saying, well, we got to give Kellen Moore some time to gestate, but Brandon Staley's screwing up our now super expensive quarterback, and we need to get someone with more traditional thinking in the building. So I could see it. Just wasn't a guy on my list. Uh, My second round pick here, and seeing as how we're flying through this, we might go a full five. But my second pick here, Kevin Stefanski. Now, Stefanski got a lot of shine for bringing the most out of Baker Mayfield, but that was a short-lived pop. Basically one really good season of Baker Mayfield, and they were just ripping off the Sean McVay offense. It was a lot of run an outside duo with Nick Chubb as possibly the best running back in the league. Spoiler alerts for a future rankings segment. It was play action. It was duo and good defense. And they won a playoff game in there. So good on them. But now they have an incredibly expensive and poorly performing quarterback in the building. And if that team doesn't start to turn around early, I can see how ownership would get upset and be ready to, Throw someone out of the building.
1: And uh, by the way, Kevin Stefanski, I'm still waiting for you to return that Coach of the Year trophy to Sean McDermott, who rightfully won it that year. Have you ever looked at the history
0: of Coach of the Year?
1: It's probably kind of like a, it's like a Madden cover situation, you know, like the season after they win Coach of the Year, they just kind of shit the bed.
0: Let me, uh, let me read you some of the previous Coaches of the Year. So Brian Dowball last year, too early to say. Uh 2021, Mike Frabel. Walls. Yeah, your your distance may vary there, but okay, sure. Uh 2020, Kevin Stefanski. Rough. 2019, John Harbaugh. Solid. You know, that was mm-hmm. Lamar's MVP year. That's fine. 2018, Matt Nagy. <laughs> Oof. Oof. Twenty seventeen, Sean McVeigh. Once again, you know, can't can't fault that one too much. Sean McVay, revolutionary. Twenty sixteen, Jason Garrett. It's about 50-50. It's also just as bad in the NBA. Like, uh, here, let me pull up the NBA list here. Because the NBA won, it's it's real short-sighted sometimes. Uh, like this year, Mike Brown, who has won it previously, but still, that's the guy that got fired before they started winning rings in <coughs> uh, Golden State. 2021-2022, Monty Williams. No longer has a job. 2020-2021, Tom Thibodeau, probably on the hot seat. 2019-2020, Nick Nurse, no longer with that team. 2018-2019, Mike Budenholzer, no longer with that team. 2017-2018, Dwayne Casey, no longer with that team. 2016-2017, Mike D'Antoni, not a head coach right now. And 2015-2016, Steve Kerr. I want to point out also, Mike Budenholzer has won this award twice for two different teams, neither of which he coaches for anymore. So, Coach of the Year, not a great barometer for where team success is going to be. No. What are we doing? What's your uh, – is it my pick? Yeah, snaking. Okay. snaking. Uh, <clears throat> Number three pick. Close to home. Uh, I got to tell you, one of the first major bets I won, maybe even prior to nationwide legalized gambling or legalized gambling in the state we lived in, but I made a bet on Bovada.lv for – Jay Gruden to be the first coach fired. He was like 6th or 7th in the odds. And I won a bundle of money on that that I was never able to get because they only pay out in, like, Monopoly money prior to legalized gambling in Virginia. Yeah. Uh. So I'm, I'm going back to the well on this. My number three pick, Ronald Rivera. New ownership in the building. Team success has been low. Rivera should have already been on the hot seat. Probably already would have been out the door if it wasn't for all the shit that... The owner was dealing with at the time on top of which bad quarterback can extend your tenure a little bit, but I'm guessing Rivera's time is coming to a close if they can't start winning games. Yeah. I like that
1: pick because Rivera is obviously a lot of head coaching experience. um, And I think he's a very respected coach around the league. So I think that bought him extra time, but with the new owner coming in after the season, he could be looking to change direction.
0: All right, Mike, your third pick.
1: My third pick. And this may – I wonder where you might have him. Todd Bowles of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Had him on my list. Because I think they are in this weird transition year where it's like, okay, Brady's out. The rebuild hasn't really fully started yet. It's like this weird transition year, and then next year is when they really – really break everything down and start to build it back up and so i think bulls could you know man the helm for one more season keep in mind not to throw shade he is 34 and 50 is his career record um and that's not good so, no okay <laughs> so yeah i think he'll probably be out the door after a pretty bad tampa bay buck season
0: all right mike as is is a snake draft you're oh go ahead
1: i was just he's one of those guys that hasn't really had good head coaching experience but i feel like He's talked about very highly by people in the NFL whenever you hear comments.
0: Yeah, I had him in the tier that I called. Maybe I should have taken a a coordinator job. He's one of those guys that's like, yeah, I understand why Todd Bowles would be a coordinator. Don't understand why he'd be a head coach. Yeah, I thought Leftwich was going to take over because
1: he had such a good rapport with Brady as offensive coordinator. And then
0: I guess Baker Mayfield started throwing his weight around or Kyle Trask started throwing his weight around and said, I don't want Byron Leftwich as my coach. Yeah. So my next pick,
1: oh, I'm two, split. I got two guys left I'm on
0: the board, and I'm hoping you don't snipe either one.
1: Yeah, I I am split here. Wait. Okay. Wait, like James McAvoy? Yes, yes. Uh. All right. I'm going to go hot take. Mike Vrabel's on the hot seat. Woo! Scorching hot take, some would say. Yeah. Everybody loves Mike Vrabel. Thank you so great. He's a liar. He said he cut off his dick. They got to the conference finals, and he didn't. I think he said Super Bowl. <laughs> Super Bowl, that's right. Um, ah, So his, his, wasn't his dick safe by one one round?
0: Yeah, it was safe um, by one loss.
1: One loss. Uh, this is another team that I think is falling apart, and he could end up being a little bit of a fall guy. I think Tennessee might still think they have like this window to compete, but they don't. Uh, who'd they draft at QB and basically said, fuck you? Oh, yeah, Malik Willis. Malik Willis yeah who'd they draft at QB though this year that was the big fuck you to him Will Levis Will Levis that's right um
0: the yoked Ryan Tannehill as we call him
1: yeah and I think over after like that big playoff run I think we've just seen year after year declining Titans and I think they could have a shockingly bad record this year that will lead to Vrabel's exit
0: yeah especially with the ascension of the Jags you can see how they they might take a pretty big ding I don't hate the pick but he's a much beloved coach he is, uh,
1: but he also is defying the laws of football that people from the Belichick
0: coaching tree are bad head coaches, <laughs> and that's not right. <clears throat> well, I'm going to take that opportunity to transition as I'm going to take the next man on my board from the Belichick coaching tree, a bad coach, Josh McDaniels. Very good pick. I, yeah, that's that, that one feels like a steal this late in the draft. I... I don't get what Josh McDaniels still has a job. Like I get it when they first hired him, right? Because sometimes it takes a coach some distance between their first head coaching spot and their second one to really turn on the jets. I mean, you look at someone like Pete Carroll, right? Or even Bill Belichick, right? Their first stops weren't good, but then their second stops were great. So you can, you can talk yourself into it, but McDaniels was terrible in Denver and then they he was like all right we have this whole John Gruden thing let's bring in McDaniel's to the Colts or sorry i i was I, I skipped over my own notes to the uh to the Raiders and he comes in and he's just been bad i mean he hasn't been good he's been worse than John Gruden and then you, you so you throw in the whole thing there where he agreed to go to the Colts and then backed out for some reason but it like you know, there's all the speculation about why, but it never really seems to have been that he was getting the head coaching seat in the Patriots one day, which, as much as Belichick hasn't had a good post-Brady run, I do have to say, nice move by New England to not hand the keys over to Josh McDaniels. Remember the tweet? What tweet? After t- that tweet. <laughs> when McDaniels went,
1: uh, kind of pulled a U, he went back to the Patriots, and the Colts were like, the rivalry's
0: back on. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Like talk about like a, a dumpster alley uh, rivalry right there. It's the John Hamm on the elevator thing where he's like, "I mm-hmm. don't even know who you are." <laughs> and Mike, my final pick in the draft, ended up getting all of my top five coaches. Can you believe it? I can. Mike McCarthy, the man who did not pay enough attention in coaching class. Remember his whole campaign when he wanted to get a coaching job again after getting canned from green bay when he was like actually i went to the pff offices and i love analytics now and he gets a job in dallas and he goes you know what i think we should do is just hand the ball off to ezekiel Elliott on every first down this man now calling plays for the team kellen moore widely regarded as a young up-and-coming offensive mind out Dak Prescott has not been the same guy since his knee and ankle injuries. Not looking too good for the Mike McCarthy era in Dallas. So two quick points: one, with you saying
1: Kellen Moore, we now have some made somehow made two Boise State references today, and I strongly considered McCarthy throughout this this draft, but the biggest attraction or thing stopping me was that Jerry Jones hung on to Jason Garrett about what three seasons too long.
0: Yeah. If, you, so, if you're a guy that's going to let Jerry Jones play with the roster, he'll let you coach that team for as long as physically possible.
1: Yeah. He's kind of looking for betas to just not get in his way. Not like um, us. That's
0: why he wouldn't want us to coach Mike. Cause we're big dogs. Hails. We're alpha dogs.
1: We're mad. Um, all right. settle down Arsenio. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So my final pick, this is a tough one, but I think you've said that every pick. <laughs> Matt, I know Matt everfuse already. Yeah. So here's, here's my thinking people want Justin Fields to break out and especially that franchise, obviously. And if he doesn't, once again, some of that could fall on, on Eberfuse. And also, you know what bad teams do a lot, like poorly run, teams which the Bears have kind of been up and down uh they change coaches a lot you know like I remember the Bills during that drought it was like a new coach every two years and I could see this being another situation of them cutting bait on a guy real quick I just
0: keep saying bring back Ditka that's what they need yeah it's like how you saved wrestling with Kane and Pyro need to (laughs) bring back Ditka
1: That's like what a super old YouTube comment that we always write? I don't even
0: think it was YouTube. I think it was like Cage Match or something. Yeah. It was something It was like in the same thread where someone said that it was disrespectful to kick out of a frog splash. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, did you write these names down? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I got all of them. I got literally my top five. In order, I had Salas, Stefanski, Rivera, McCarthy, McDaniels as my top five. And then I had Todd Bull's Dennis Allen and didn't have Staley Vrabel or Eberflus ranked. I, uh, this
1: is one of those things where before we started recording and give you a peek behind the curtain, I said that I don't do a lot of research for the wheel topics cause I like sometimes to go into them blind real surprise. What are we going to talk about? And you said that's going to bite you in the ass sometimes. And this is one of those situations. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, Mike, I guess that's uh, that's all we really have time for this week. Uh, I have some other wheel topics that I'm looking forward to getting back to, hopefully before too soon. In fact, uh, if we don't have too much on the show next week, I might just turn one or two of them into a topic. So we'll see. A double wheel? We could do a double wheel. We could do a double wheel.
1: Do a straight motorcycle.
0: Yes, I guess that is the only thing I can think of with two wheels. So. It's a motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyways, uh, be sure to keep an eye out for our training camp MVP rankings. Those will be coming at you on a Wednesday. Uh, we will have the outsider scoops coming up early next week for the NHL once Mike repairs it since it's now in shambles. Fucking Carlson. Fucking Carlson. Fucking Kyle Dubas. Uh, anything else we want to we wanna write for next week, Mike? Anything that we haven't? Even talked about that you want to throw out here. Um, no. If I continue to get look in more
1: into the college football situation and get fired up, which the NCAA has a really easy uh, ability to do to me because I think they're one of like the most corrupt groups in the world, and pieces of poo. Um, maybe I'll get fired up and write an article about that. Wait, I am working on wait wait
0: nil nil. Is that anything?
1: Like, are you making a? some kind of pun. Yeah,
0: or? That's most of the, most of the articles we do for the website. I start with the title and then figure out the rest. So is that anything?
1: Yeah, not sure, but I do have another article in the works. I haven't pitched it to you yet and I'm not going to, I'm going to try to get that written up real soon and send it to you to get your, your feelings on. It. Oh, that's
0: great. What I really love is when you don't tell me things that you want to do. Wow. Car bitches. All right. Well, check us out on talent We are also on our individual Twitter and threads pages since Mike has Escaped Threads Jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find those in the show notes below. Be sure to check out all of our SummerSlam coverage we did. We had predictions that I'm sure I beat you on. And uh, we also had a one of the best articles on the website, in my humble opinion, where you did an all-decades SummerSlam card. So if you like wrestling, that all-decades SummerSlam card still holds up after last, last night's show. Oh, thank you. And... Dream over.